My brothers and sisters, the Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Mark. Jesus said to his disciples, In those days after that tribulation, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light and the stars will be falling from the sky and the powers in the heavens will be shaken and then they will see the Son of Man coming in the clouds with great power and glory and then he will send out the angels and gather his elect from the four winds from the end of the earth to the end of the sky learn a lesson from the fig tree when its branch becomes tender and sprouts leaves you know that summer is near in the same way when you see these things happening know that he is near at the gates amen i say to you this generation will not pass away until all these things have taken place heaven and earth will pass away but my words will not pass away but of that day or hour no one knows neither the angels in heaven nor the son but only the father the gospel of the lord Every Tuesday, our, our campus ministry at Montclair State University hosts what we call our, our weekly Newman Night. It's where we offer students a free dinner and have a presentation about a variety of Catholic topics. And this past week, the, the menu was Mexican food from Tingas in Montclair, which for our usual clientele who are used to Taco Bell, it's an amazing upgrade. And our guest speaker's talk was titled with two Latin words, Memento Mori. Now, fortunately, most of our college students didn't know the meaning of those words, remember that you will die, or we might have a lot of leftover tacos and quesadillas. Death is not something most people want to hear about, or think about, or talk about. It reminds me of when the comedian Jerry Seinfeld shared that an opinion poll showed that the two things that people fear the most in the world is number one, public speaking, and number two, death, which left him to observe that people would rather die than give the eulogy at the funeral. Part of the reason that people fear death is that they've fallen for the lie that this life and this world is all that there is. And even sometimes Christians can fall into that as well, treating Jesus as something we hope is real, but not really sure, you know, betting it's worth investing the hour like an insurance policy, but not really believing in him and trusting in him and letting him enter into those greatest of fears, letting him give us the grace not to just overcome those fears whenever our ends arrive, but transforming our, our present days and how we navigate this difficult and challenging world. Yet that's exactly what Jesus wants to do for his followers, as we just heard. Listen again to what Jesus said in today's gospel. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. Those prophetic words were realized in a very particular way for his initial listeners. 
as they were approaching Jerusalem, as they gazed upon the temple, that city was for them a, a symbol of the universe, and the temple was the sanctuary, the place where God himself had dwelt among his people. But within years of Jesus saying these words, the temple would be destroyed, and the Jews would suffer another horrific devastation where hundreds of thousands of the people of God would be massacred, and just a, a small minority of a few tens of thousands would survive. The chaos of that evil being unleashed would make the people of God feel very much like it was the end of the world, since for most Jews, it sure seemed like it was. This was one of the worst chapters in their history, which included periods of slavery and exile and loss. But for an even smaller minority of Jews at that time, who had become known as followers of the way, those who had followed Jesus, who had witnessed his unjust trial and the horror of his passion and the brutality of his crucifixion and death, who had encountered him risen from the dead and walked and prayed and ate with the resurrected Christ and then witnessed him ascend into heaven and then received the outpouring of the Holy Spirit themselves on that first Pentecost. For them, they were undeterred by this latest chapter that had befallen their fellow Jews. They had heard Jesus preach and teach, and they came to know that Jesus himself was those new heavens and that new earth. Yes, all that was familiar to them, all that was known, all that they had believed in, that had all passed away. But Jesus' words had not. And that, that empowered them to live this life on earth differently. They weren't hastening death, but they weren't fearing it either. They were focused simply on Jesus and bringing him to the ends of the earth. Despite the fact that just for worshiping Jesus, just for speaking his name, could mean that they too would lose their lives, which many, if not most of them, did. But they were able to do that with this sense of detachment because they had that single-minded trust and love for Jesus. And that's not something that ended in the early church era. We can see and hear examples of that type of heroic faith throughout the thousands of years that have followed. Stories that confound us where people are able to see past what they're going to lose and recognize that as long as they have Jesus, they have the only thing that matters. One example that our speaker shared at the Newman night the other night was the story of an 11-year-old who lived and died in the last century, Maria Goretti, whose father had died of malaria when she was only nine, whose family was poor, barely able to make ends meet. Yet little Maria had this purity and this love for Jesus that was utterly remarkable. This one summer day, while babysitting one of her younger sisters and attending to her chores, her 18-year-old neighbor, Alessandra, knowing she was alone, came to the house and threatened to stab her if, he didn't, if she didn't do what he had said. He wanted to force himself upon her. And she resisted him, not simply out of a desire for, for self-preservation, but even more fighting for his soul, telling Alessandro, that what he wanted to do was a mortal sin and warning him he would go to hell. She kept crying, no, it's a sin. God does not want it. 
And he first choked her, but then when she insisted she would rather die than submit to him, he stabbed her 17 times before running away. She was rushed to the hospital and she, she lived for another 24 hours. And one of her last acts was saying that she forgave Alessandro and wanted him to be in heaven with her. This 11-year-old did that. Just hearing that story, I was struck wondering, would I ever be able to do that? Would I be able to lose my life for the faith? And would I be able to offer that as a prayer for the one who's killing me? More than likely, I'd be praying that God would get vengeance for me. Another example that was just published this, this past week and equally confounded me. Catholic news site reported a story about this priest who was just sentenced to prison for life, which he deserves. The horrendous scandal that this man inflicted on his victims. There's no other word for it other than diabolical. It was crime was calculated, it was schemed, it took place over years. This depravity where he targeted these young men, created fake online personas, and tricked them into sending inappropriate pictures of themselves, thinking they were talking to a young woman in their class and then blackmailed them to continue to do so. Then the priest would pretend to be concerned and want to offer pastoral care to this young man and his family. I can't even begin to explain the disgust I read reading this painful story. But equally challenging in a very different way was reading the words of the mother of the victim. And it was like this constant refrain throughout the extensive interview that she kept saying multiple times, I love my church. I love my family, and I want my church to be healed. And I feel God is calling. I feel like it's a responsibility that I would feel totally wrong for me to do or say nothing, because I'm doing this for love of my church and for other people and love of children and love of other parents. I don't want this to happen to anyone else. This is for our church. It's for Jesus, too, because he's hurting. As I'm reading the article, I wanted to be angry and furious. I was angry and furious. I wanted to remain such. But hearing this woman's love for Jesus and his church left me just in awe and reverence for her faith. It makes me realize how much work I continue to need to do because while she has this justifiable outrage and it's important that they receive the justice they deserve in order to experience healing, She's seen that her faith is the anchor to navigate the tumultuous seas of evil, even in our own church, at the hands of one of her priests. She recognizes how essential her faith is in this trial and every other one that she and her family are yet to face, including ultimately death itself. And that's what these scriptures today are calling for all of us to see and to realize. When we see the words memento mori, when we hear these verses that confront us with our own mortality and the passing of all things, that's meant, not meant to scare us into to being better Catholics out of fear. It's a call to, to deeper faith ourselves, where we recognize the, the fragility of life and the reality of evil that we have faced and will continue to face. But doing so, looking to Jesus as the only answer to all of it. Trusting his eternal words were true then and remain true now when he said to us, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And that means 
confronting those sinful areas within ourselves and confessing them, being absolved of them and striving to turn away from them. That means recognizing Jesus' calls to, to pray and to fast and to give alms isn't something limited to the, the season of Lent, but things that we need to do constantly. Recognizing that when I deny myself, when I choose to experience the little death that comes from fasting, from giving up a meal, or when I choose to be generous to someone who has no way of reciprocating, I'm aligning myself with him. I'm recognizing he's more powerful than those feelings and those desires that the world is constantly telling us to indulge in. I begin to encounter Christ and experience how living with him at the center does impact and change not just my life, but has ripple effects that affect many others. That mother of that young man who was so horrendously hurt and attacked by that priest concluded her interview repeating the phrase, God is with us. God has been so faithful, God is with us. And she explained, when I say God is with us, I mean that Jesus wasn't just somewhere far away from our family, just watching things happen. And he wasn't outside of us. When we felt abandoned, Jesus felt abandoned with us. When I was in pain, Jesus was in my heart experiencing that same pain. He was with my kids experiencing the same pain they felt. He wasn't far away from us. He was right there with us experiencing the same pain with us. The Lord has been so faithful to us. If we turn to him and trust him and let him, we too can say Jesus is with us, that the Lord remains faithful to us. St. Maria Goretti and this mother testify in their own amazing ways how in the midst of the chaos of evil in the world, where all seems to be falling apart and there's no relief, seemingly no answers to cries for help, how they experience very real how heaven and earth are passing away, this deeper faith sustains them and empowers them to overcome all those awful realities. They invite us to believe and trust that same God who is unchanging will do the same for us. How Jesus' words have never and will never pass away.